you've just got to think, I guess, from that guest perspective about what's going to make this stay not only as comfortable as possible, but convenient as possible. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, it's Bernadette Jansen, and before we get into this episode, I need to remind you that the information in this podcast is general in nature and opinion only. It should not be taken as personal advice. There are significant risks with buying and renovating property, and you should maximise your profit potential and minimise your risk by seeking independent advice that relates to your personal circumstances through your own financial planner, accountant, and any other professionals that you are working with. The examples in this podcast are for illustrative purposes only. Well, hello, it's Bernadette. And today I've invited one of our students in, our Airbnb students, to share her journey because we talk about the fact that Airbnb is such a great way to produce income without a massive outlay. You can actually do this with properties that you rent. Jen is one of the students that's actually doing this really well. And I think you'll find her story very inspiring. My name is Jen Clark. I've spent the last 20 years in the graphic design industry in the midst of having a bit of a career change. I've also had a tree change at the end of last year. So I've moved from Melbourne's inner northern suburbs out to Wood End, which is about an hour out of Melbourne in the Macedon Ranges. It's an absolutely beautiful area. The reason for us moving out here, we had a baby two and a half years ago. So we wanted to give him a bit more room to move, so to speak. Yeah, we sort of haven't looked back. Okay. And so you still got your graphic design business? I do, yes. So yeah. I had, had that business for eight and a half years. Yeah. That business is now at a point where it's just really, um, you know, humming along really nicely. So, but I'm looking at potentially winding things down with that business towards the end of this year and, and uh, obviously scaling things up with my new accommodation business, which is really, really yeah. exciting. Yeah. Beautiful. And so, yeah, so let's get on to that. So you came to us about six months ago. What was your motivation? Like, yeah, well, believe it or not, I actually listened to your podcast one morning in the, in the car on a, on a trip to Melbourne and I really, really enjoyed it. It got me thinking about after having moved to Woodend, what do I actually want to do with, you know, with the next uh, year, five years, 10 years. And I'd always had an interest in interior design, renovation, all of those sorts of things. And I had actually been an Airbnb host uh, previously. I had a spare room in my house that I'd rented out and really, really enjoyed that process too and met a lot of very interesting people doing that. And that sort of got me thinking, well, you know, maybe I could try renting a whole house and renting it and subleasing it and seeing how that went. So I ended up enrolling in your course, uh, the mm-hmm. short-term accommodation course, and uh, really loved it as well, loved, loved sort of every minute of it. And then obviously got my first property and the, yeah, the, the rest is kind of history from there. It just so what's it your- like a really natural fit. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about Airbnb. Like often, like I don't know whether this is sexist or not, but as women we tend to be nesters. Like we tend to yeah, yeah. really that's- love that aspect of it. 
Yeah, look, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think having dabbled in, in the interior design world too in my design career, that's something that I really, really enjoyed. I hadn't, hadn't had any formal training in interior design, but it's something that I, I just kind of learnt on the job and helped a few people with some renovations and so forth. It just felt like a, a really natural fit. It was something that I really loved doing. It, it doesn't necessarily feel like work to me. So, and look, I really enjoy people as well. And, and those two things combined, it just felt like this could be a really, really good sort of next career mini career change for me yeah. yeah I know you're talking about a career change but it's more than that isn't it it's really a like a life overhaul in many ways because mm-hmm. up until last year I was we we're living in a really nice house but it, we were we felt very crammed in yeah uh, just because the pace of life in Melbourne it's just pretty crazy so and we were really starting to feel that and having come out here it just gives you I mean not only sort of room to move physically but kind of room to move emotionally as well and I think gives you that opportunity to sort of grasp exactly what it is that you want to do Uh, and I just had had enough of the sort of sitting at the desk daily grind plugging away day after day after day sitting in front of a computer and I thought I want to do something that I can you know where I can draw on my design skills I can draw on my uh, interest in people, interest in design and et cetera, et cetera, and, but get up and do, do things, you know, that are more physical. And so, yeah, once again, when I was listening to your podcast, it, it just seemed like this could be a really good move, um, both just, you know, in terms of lifestyle and career. Yeah. yeah. And so you now have two properties. That's right. Yeah. Would you like to share that process? how that sort of come about? Sure. Basically, I've been a lifelong renter, so I've never actually owned a property, but that's always been a long-term goal to to own a place. And particularly now that I have a, a young son, really keen to at some stage own. But really, it was you actually, Bernadette, who introduced me to the idea of like rent arbitrage, which is quite an unknown sort of a term here in Australia. It's quite common overseas, but here a lot of people don't necessarily think of it as a viable option. But really what the principle there is obviously you would rent a property as per a normal long-term tenant and then, uh, you know, get the landlord's permission, obviously the agent's permission to sublet that property on the short-term market. So anything that you, any profit that you make basically between the rent and the income that you derive from Airbnb or any other, you know, booking source is yours. So that's what I went out and did basically with the first property. I, I really canvassed a whole lot of different real estate agents and was just completely open and honest with them about what I wanted to do. Look, I got a lot of rejections. I got a lot of people saying there's no way, there's no way that you know landlords are going to let you do that. But ultimately, I did get a call one day actually from a landlord directly and she had seen my inquiry and and was actually really keen and quite excited to talk about the prospect of letting the property to me in order to manage it and and lease it on the short-term market. Um, She saw a lot of benefits in that that a lot of other people that were perhaps a little bit more sceptical and less open-minded didn't see. Things like the property would be very carefully maintained, it would be cleaned every week, the gardens would be maintained, all of those sorts of things that don't necessarily just naturally occur to people when they think of this kind of arrangement. And look, she saw all those benefits from the word go. So I think the the key for me was having a landlord that was willing to sort of think a bit outside the box and think about it in terms of what benefits could such an arrangement offer her. 
Yes, and often that, I can't say you were lucky, you were persistent in finding yes. a landlord that was open to it, but often it's a bit of an education process. Sometimes you need to educate the agent as well. Mm. But certainly what I find is the longer that a house is unrented, the more open they become to alternative solutions. Yeah, look, interestingly enough, I sort of thought that too. And this particular house that we secured as the first property, it was actually, funnily enough, it was probably the least, I thought it was one of the least likely houses that we would get because it's a beautiful big four bedroom two bathroom house just recently renovated and the renovation is absolutely meticulous like it's a beautiful beautiful property when we um contacted them about it thinking you know what this is probably a there's no chance in hell of this coming off but I'm just going to put in an inquiry and see what happens. And it just shows that, you know, you can't really necessarily always predict which houses are going to come off and which ones aren't. And because the landlord was, you know, quite design savvy and, and did have a lot of pride in her house, it actually paid off in dividends for us because she was the one who was open ultimately to us leasing it um, on the short-term market. That actually worked in our favour. That's really great. And so how is that um, list going? And so it's important to note that that's in a rural location. That's right. So that house is actually in Kyneton, which is um, a town about 10 minutes drive from here in Woodend. It's going really, really well. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, our bookings are on weekends. So people coming away for the weekend and also you know, during school holidays. So that's a challenge. That's an ongoing challenge for me is to you know, how to get people into the property during the week. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a kind of a key challenge, uh, particularly in a regional area. But with a concerted social media campaign and with marketing and other promotional activity that we've been doing, the booking our bookings have been really good. So we, mm. we recently entered the top 10 properties in Kyneton in only four months. Um, well done. Which yeah. I was very, very happy about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And I will make sure that we provide links to your listings in the show notes so that if anyone listening wants to actually go and experience your hospitality then yeah there you go that'd be great so just recently you secured your second property yeah and look that the second property actually came about a lot sooner than we than i planned sorry when i say we my partner kirsty is actually almost a silent partner in the business yeah. so I'm, I'm just naturally, naturally used to saying we with the second property we essentially got a call from a real estate agent one morning to say that she had this property that was for lease in Mount Macedon, which is kind of 10 minutes in the other direction from Woodend um, to Kyneton. And the owners there were, were moving to Sydney, basically, and they were very keen to have someone manage that property on the short-term market, which was quite unusual, I thought, because the owners already, you know, had, a, had an open mind towards doing that. And, yeah, look, uh, they contacted me. We went and had a look at it. And basically, look, we absolutely loved it. It was It's a beautiful property, but having just obviously established the first property in Kyneton, we were pretty cash poor at that time, to be honest, mm. because we, we'd furnished the first property and so forth ourselves and spent quite a large sum of money on, on that, like doing it properly. And so really with this second property, it was unfurnished and obviously, you know, we needed to come up with the rent and bond and so forth for that. And so initially we actually said no to that house, which was tough because it's a beautiful property and could see that it would do very well on the short-term market. But, you know, the timing, it was just timing. T 
timing wasn't right. But then as things sort of progressed, the properties, as you, and as you said before, the properties sat there vacant basically for the next six weeks and the agent got back in touch with us with us and basically said look the owner is considering funding the furnishing of the property so basically one thing led to another we ended up having discussions with the owner about furnishing the property and the owner actually ended up being willing to fund the furnishing of the property so essentially handed us over some capital to be able to furnish it ourselves which was kind of the deciding factor in taking that one on so yeah once again it came down to a really open-minded owner that would see the long-term benefits of this kind of arrangement and we go so that was a a month or two ago now great is that one getting up speed it sure is yeah like that one's it's a bit of a lucky property that one because it's just been um since the word go it's just been we've had a lot of interest in it we've had a lot of already a lot of media online media publicity about that particular property and it just seems to uh, sort of a really lucky property for some reason i mean we've had to work hard obviously to promote it but you know to a flying start that's really great what's next actually before we go to not what's next let's just be a bit reflective what have you found the most challenging? The most challenging thing, the, probably two things. One is obviously capital. So making sure that your cash flow is, is consistent enough to keep paying the rent and to keep funding other services that you need to, to establish a successful mm. Airbnb property. So things like, you know, cleaning fees and laundry, all of those sorts of things, you know, you've got to make sure that you budget for those things and paying utilities and setting those things up as well. That's taken a reasonable amount of work to manage, manage those. Secondly, I think, and, and this is a, a challenge that's just unique to us because we're in a regional area, would be getting those bookings in midweek. Midweek, so, yeah. Yeah, so really getting that occupancy rate up so that the houses are being used as much as possible and booked as much as possible. So I think those two things are kind of have kind of been the biggest challenges. And and look at the setup process is pretty grueling. It's not for the faint hearted. Actually getting the houses furnished and ready to go and photographed and so forth is a really labor intensive process. It's very, very satisfying and, and a lot of fun in many ways, but it's also extremely grueling and quite tiring. Yes. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Is there anything that you found surprising or surprisingly good that you weren't expecting? I think the thing that I've found and maybe this is a more a reflection on my background as a designer but I've found the just working in this sector in the short-term accommodation sector to be quite just really positive yeah. like you're actually providing a really positive experience for people their attitudes tend to be overall a lot more positive than they would perhaps in some other businesses I've actually found that really lovely mm. <laughs> it's really nice to be dealing with people that are happy and that are, yeah. you know, when you're providing them something to look forward to exactly I've, I've really enjoyed that aspect of it whereas in design obviously it's a bit of a different ball game because you're dealing with people that want things changed and you're constantly going through this process but with this business it's been a lot yeah a lot more positive yeah. i think it's probably important to note that you don't actually have to be a designer to be good at Airbnb or short-term rental. But I think the thing that's important is that you sort of really focus on what your skills are. Yes. If your skills are hospitality, then you do more of that yourself. But if they're not, if you're like me, my skills are definitely not hospitality. 
then do that. I'm more about the prettying up and providing and being strategic about it. I think that it's funny. I mentioned in the Facebook group recently that I stayed in an Airbnb in Queensland when I was up there. And it was interesting. It's always very enlightening being a guest, isn't it? That's right. Oh, absolutely. We actually stayed in an Airbnb a few weeks ago in Melbourne and we had to attend an event in Melbourne and we stayed the night in an Airbnb. It was a totally different approach to what we've taken with these properties. It was more like just walking into someone's home that the door had been left open. So rather than nothing was really meticulously prepared, it was all just very quite slapdash. Made for an interesting night. I mean, we did actually get a few ideas from staying there too. And I think that's really important. Like it's good to actually go out and stay in other in other people's properties to not just see what they, what they might be doing badly, but also see what they're doing really well and maybe take some of those learnings away. I really agree with that. And the yeah. thing that, I, that surprises me, how much little things really annoy you. Yeah. When people complain about little things, you think, oh my gosh, that really when you're out of your comfort zone, and you're in foreign surroundings, they do annoy you much more. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think having just said that too, it's really important to stay in your own properties because... Exactly, yeah. I mean, even little things that you might not necessarily think of, like only recently did I think to actually put a universal mobile phone charger in one of the properties because I think, you know, how many people actually go away and forget their charger at home, but their phone is so vitally important to them? You've just got to think, I guess, from that guest perspective about what's going to make this stay not only as comfortable as possible, but convenient as possible. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think that's really important. And look, having stayed in, I mean, we stayed in our Kyneton property not that long ago. And yeah, it's a completely different experience staying there as a guest as opposed to just creating it. Yeah. Okay. So now you've got your two properties up and running. What's next? I've actually had a bit of a busy fortnight in the last, well, in the last fortnight because I've been approached about four further properties. <laughs> wow. <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is which is lovely in many ways, but um also a bit uh, overwhelming because yeah. I think in this business too, it's very tempting to want to scale quickly, but I don't think that lends itself to a sustainable business that has a quality focus, which is what I really want to do and what I really want to establish. We are actually talking to some other property owners in Mount Macedon at the moment about taking over the management of their property at the start of October. And that property is fully furnished and it's already doing exceptionally well on Airbnb. So it's a bit of a no-brainer from that angle. So you're doing that as a co-host rather than renting the property? I'm doing it, yeah, essentially as yeah. a co-host. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So that's a much lower risk strategy. Yes. Yeah. And look, I'm keen to try that mm. arrangement too and see how that works versus the sort of rent arbitraging pro. The other project that I'm sort of working on at the moment is I'm just managing an apartment, actually a two-bedroom apartment for a friend who's moving into state temporarily in Abbotsford in Melbourne. So that's also going to be a big learning curve for me. It's going to be an opportunity to see how in an urban property performs versus a regional property and just sort of treating it all as a bit of an apprenticeship at the moment and learning and trying to absorb as much as I can. Yeah. Beautiful. What's your end goal? What's your long-term vision? Say in two years' time, where do you want to be with your business? I would like to be obviously focusing on this accommodation business full-time and no longer working on my design business. So a complete career change first and foremost. But I think by the end of 2021, which is only two, two years away, I would ideally like to have a stable of about 10 to 12 really high quality properties. I don't have any aspirations to have 
50 properties or anything mm. like that. I think I would be biting off way more than I could chew there. But having, I think, maybe a dozen properties that are in different areas that are different types of properties and just, once again, it will still be pretty early days then and seeing how those properties perform will be really interesting. That's kind of my aim in the next two years and, and obviously, ideally, for the business to enable me to buy a property for my family, which is something that we've always wanted to do. So that's kind of our, our why, I guess. I see big things for you, Jen. Oh, thank you. Just before we finish up, I thought it might be an idea. You and I have had a little bit of a chat about the morals or the mm -hmm. ethical side of short-term rental. Is that exploiting the sector of the community that rely on rental properties and do you want to have a just a quick chat about that yeah i'd love to i'd love to yeah. this is something that's really important to me i think that one of the things that i guess underpins my business as opposed to some of the other short-term accommodation businesses is this these really ethical strong ethical principles for instance when we've been furnishing fitting out these the two existing properties, we've really been absolutely vigilant about sourcing as many furnishings as we could secondhand, using sustainable products that might be eco-friendly, those sorts of things, rather than necessarily just buying everything new and cheap. So a lot, a lot more thought's gone into it from that angle. But also I've been looking at, you know, how can I use these properties as a vehicle to give something back which is really important to me and i couldn't run any type of business without doing that and i've done that through my through my design business as well in the past even one thing that was noticeable to me almost from the word go uh, running this sort of business was this amount of food waste and things that are thrown mm. out it almost seemed criminal <laughs> to be throwing a lot of this stuff out and so what i've done i sort of sat down and looked at well how can i at least try and reduce some of this like i can't reduce all of it obviously but how can i reduce some of this waste and we actually have a food bank located right around the corner from our kyneton property so i've put a uh, a crate in our kyneton property that basically says to guests if you've got something left over from your stay pop it in here and we will take it around to kyneton food bank and donate it on your behalf and look that's a really small thing but it's one little way of being able to do something positive, whereas otherwise that food would have just been thrown out. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Time to invest in some worm farms too. I'd love to do that, but anything like that, I think you might think that something's just really small or trivial, but it's not. And I think it's important to just have those little things that you do as part of your day-to-day -day business. They Over the course of a year, they can really add up. Exactly. So one of the things that, uh, one of the arguments that's been, I've heard a lot is that by renting properties for Airbnb, then it's diminishing the pool of rental properties that, for people that actually need them. I don't know about you, but I've really, really noticed that the demand for rental properties has really dropped. And often, I certainly haven't rented anything that hasn't been on the market for a very long period of time. So I don't know that it, that argument really stacks up, certainly in the present conditions. I'm inclined to agree with you because, I mean, the nature of the properties that we're renting, we've got a three-bedroom, two-bathroom property and a four-bedroom, two-bathroom property. And both of them, I mean, the rent is actually probably on the higher level, on the higher mm. side of things. So these aren't, I don't know that these are properties that would necessarily be within easy reach of those people who might be on lower incomes or yeah. those sorts of things. So they're otherwise sitting there vacant. And I think 
if we can inject more into the local economy and partake in things like the food bank and perhaps even eventually in Airbnb's open homes program, which will enable people who do need accommodation to use these houses during the week or whenever they're sitting there vacant, then those are much more productive ways of giving back rather than worrying too much about taking these higher-end houses off the housing market. Yeah, I would agree with you. There's always two ways at looking at an issue. That's right. I mean, um, the other thing too, uh, like the number one sort of social and environmental issue in Australia at the moment is climate change. It's a bit of a catch-22. It's a double-edged sword because in creating really great bespoke local experiences for people to enjoy you're giving them the option of traveling somewhere locally there's a lot of pros to that approach as Mm. well i sort of think of it as if you can use your accommodation as a vehicle for good in whatever small ways you can then i think it's you can't really go wrong i absolutely agree with that and to be honest with you it doesn't really matter what you're doing you can find fault in everything it's just really about how you approach what you're doing and really doing the best you can with what you've got. And having that consciousness, I guess, of not just sort of flippantly thinking, oh, I need to get a bed or I need to get this, but thinking about what you're buying and where you're buying it from. And if you can be a bit more judicious in those decisions about exactly where are you sourcing this stuff from, then I think then that's also really great. And you've got the ability to sort of reduce that footprint. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so just before we wrap up, can I just ask you, what would be your three biggest tips, best tips, for someone who is choosing to go down the short-term rental path? Now, we've talked a lot about Airbnb, but in actual fact, there are many platforms, but we won't go into that now. But mm-hmm. what would you say would be the three key things that someone considering going down this path would need to think about? First and foremost, I think you've got to have a love of people to be able to work in this business. I think if you don't like dealing with people and dealing with the day-to-day sort of demands of guests, then don't even consider it because every day you are dealing with people fundamentally. That's what this business is about. So that would be number one. Number two, never, ever underestimate the value of professional photos. Yes. I think that's absolutely pivotal. So I think out of every single possible marketing tool for these short-term accommodation uh, for, for these houses, photos, really great quality photos has been key. Having a professional photographer come in and photograph the properties and then being able to use those photos to get other, you know, whether it's media coverage or other publicity and on social media particularly has been really, really helpful. Worth every cent. Three, I guess, try and maybe remember that people are using sites like airbnb because they want to have a more authentic experience and i think what can often go wrong is people think they have to recreate a hotel room with an airbnb property and i think that's the wrong approach because it's about people want to have things like books and magazines and different art and they want to have that more homely sort of experience rather than walking into a soulless hotel-like environment so I think making sure that your property is, you know, it's not sterile or cold or soulless. It's somewhere that people want to spend time and relax and feel like they're part of the local communities. I think that's really important. And that's getting a little bit lost because I think given the quantity of homes on these sites, people are going for that cookie cutter approach. I don't think that will work long term. I absolutely agree with you. And I think if I had a complaint about the place that I recently stayed at, that was the complaint, that it was really quiet. Yes. It was a bed in a room with a, it's private and had its own bathroom and fridge and that. But 
that was pretty much it. And it does feel a bit, I guess, isolating. You don't yeah. feel like you're part of the community. That's right. And I think, look, I actually stayed in a place not that long ago too. And I was amazed at the fact that the the guidebook, which I also think is really important. So providing a really good guidebook or house manual in the house is like, don't ever underestimate the value of that. But this house manual had no recommendations at all from the host as to where to go. And I sort of thought if I had wanted to stay in a hotel, I would have. But what I really wanted to know was where can I go to get a nice glass of wine or where can I go to go for a walk or all those sorts of things so that people want to be able to experience it from as if they were living there. Um, And I think that's really important to remember. I would agree with you. Well, listen, thank you so much for generous sharing of your story. And your wisdom, as I mentioned, we will include the links to your properties. We'll also include a link to your business as well in the show notes so that anyone that's interested in experiencing your special brand of hospitality (laughs) will be able to do that. Thanks. Terrific. No, thank you. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.